Numbers 22. I want you to think about something with me as you're turning there. God's work involves far more than our eyes can see. Think about that. God's work involves far more than what these finite, earthly, human eyes can see. We think we can see a lot. In fact, if you look backwards, it's pretty easy to see, isn't it? We always say hindsight is 2020. And so when we look backwards, we go, oh, okay, I can see what was going on there. And we, we like to do that. We can see everything very clearly when we're looking backwards. However, we should not be moving backwards, right? We shouldn't be looking backwards and moving backwards and going that direction. And what happens is we look forward, but our vision is slightly obscured when we look at what lies ahead. And so we can't necessarily see what lies ahead, but yet we take steps and we, we, we start moving toward that way. And we have to realize that even though we can't see what's ahead, God is still working. God is still working. We have seen some amazing things happen in the life of the Israelites. They are now conquering land. They are trusting God more and more and more. They even trusted God enough to defeat the Amorites from Bashan, who were giants, as we read uh, uh, last week. And so they're beginning to really uh, almost get a hold of God and really pay attention and really uh, get in tune with God and trust Him. And God is beginning to give them victory after victory. But what they don't realize is the fact that there are things going on behind the scenes that the Israelites don't even know about. And so I want to continue in our series with Conquer Through Christ, but I want to give you sort of a sub-series, because we're spending a whole lot of time looking at the children of Israel and the things that they were doing in, in, in every little detail of their lives, but this Numbers chapter 22 begins something that's kind of behind the scenes, something that goes on. The Bible obviously tells us about it, but it's something that the Israelites, I believe, never see. They don't know what's going on. They're, they're somewhere else, but yet this is going on. And so I want to pick up our story in Numbers chapter 22, in verse 1, the Bible says, And the children of Israel set forward, notice that, set forward, they're heading toward the promised land, and pitched in the plains of Moab, on this side Jordan, by Jericho. So if you'll allow me, this is a little background, they, they cross right near Jericho in their first battle into what is we consider now the promised land after they cross the Jordan is Jericho. That's their first battle. And so they're, they're gaining uh, uh, um, this, this entrance. They're beginning to look toward the promised land and they're beginning to, to think about this and they're, the prize is set before them, so to speak. But verse 2, the Bible says, and Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many and Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are round about us, as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. Verse 5. 
He sent messengers, therefore, unto Balaam, the son of Beor, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Look at verse 6. Come now, therefore, I pray thee. Curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure, I shall prevail that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land, for I wot that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed. I want to preach to you a message I've entitled, Behind the Scenes. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all you do for us. Thank you so much for the power that's in the blood. Thank you so much for the cross, for the wonderful empty tomb, that we can know that we can have an eternal home in heaven. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for loving us, giving your only begotten son for us. And Father, I pray that we would keep that our focus. Father, that as we move forward in our lives, Father, we would remember what you did for us. And Father, we would trust you with all that we have. We love you. Thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to preach to you a message again, as I've said, behind the scenes. What's going on here is behind the scenes. They don't know what's going on. They just, they just are, are encamped, maybe even staring off into what they think is, is their first battle. Maybe they're preparing themselves for Jericho and they're beginning to look and see and all those things. Yet on the side over here, there's Moab. And Moab is scheming and plotting and, and Balak, the king, says, listen, we need to do something about this. Moab is... A, a great country, and we, I love my country as any king would, and, and I don't want this new people coming out of Egypt to disrupt that. I saw everything that they did to the Amorites, and I'm scared. And so he sends to Balaam a, a, a soothsayer and says, come, curse the people, because whoever you curse is cursed, and whoever you bless is blessed. The first thing I want you to see behind the scenes this morning is, number one, the enemy's commitment. The enemy's commitment. You see, your enemies want nothing more than to see you fail. Right? How many of you think enemies want to see you gain control and conquer? No. It's not, it's not uncommon knowledge to know that our enemies want to see us fail. You have won maybe several huge victories, and the children of Israel have won some major, major victories in their lives. And now we see the enemies are more set against them than ever. The enemy is ever committed to bringing you down. The more of a threat you are to them, the higher the commitment. If you're just some little piddly thing over here, we're not going to send all of our forces out there. We're just going to run maybe a, a few rebel forces out there. But if you are gaining in power and you, you are more uh, 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 of a, a threat to them, then they're going to make a bigger commitment to you. They're going to bring all their forces out to you. Number one, underneath the enemy's commitment, I want you to see this. The enemy sees what you do. Note this. The enemy sees what you do. Look in verse uh, 2 with me. The Bible says, And Balak, the son of Zippor, watch this, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. The enemy sees what you do. Balak saw everything that was going on. He saw that Bashan and, and, and Og and all of those guys came out to them. And they, they, he knew they were giants. He knew they were a strong force. He, he knew what kind of people they were. They were neighbors. He knew them. 
He knew what kind of country they were. He knew they were giants. And they, he watches as Israel destroys them and lives in their cities. He watches as, as, as Og just begins to go down and down and down. He saw Israel become victorious over them. If you're a sports fan at all, you sometimes you watch a sports game that you don't necessarily like either team. But secretly inside, you're rooting for one of those teams, right? Now, there's other times where you have a team. It's absolutely your team, and it doesn't matter if they're the worst team in the league. I'm not going to mention any names, but you know who I'm talking about. So it doesn't matter if they're the worst team in the league, you are going to fight for them, and you're going to holler for them, and you're going to throw things at the TV for them because you love that team. I believe this is where Balak was. Oh, I want Ammon, I want the Amorites to win this. I'm cheering for them, and he's watching maybe from his palace. I don't know how far he could see. I don't know if he physically saw it or if he just heard about it. I don't really know, but the fact of the matter is this. He knew what Israel had done, and he was cheering for the Amorites. Notice, please, this. When you begin to conquer, people will take notice. Sometimes not really the best people will take notice. When you begin to conquer, people take notice. You may never know who these people are. You may never know what their intentions are. But realize that the enemy sees what you do. There will be people when you begin to conquer in your life, there will be people that will begin to criticize you. When you begin to see things going on in your marriage that that really are becoming something great and you begin to see the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, there will be people that will criticize you for what you're doing. Maybe you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you feel this great, wonderful, conquering victory in your life over sin. There will be people who, who criticize you. Because the enemy always somehow sees what you do. There will be people that will try to put you down. There will be people that will try to, to discourage you. But realize this. Please, please understand this. doesn't matter what people do to you. I want you to know this. Your enemy is Satan. It's nobody else. Your enemy is Satan, and, and the children of Israel here are no different. Moab is the, is, the, is the country, and Moabites are the people. But listen, behind all of this is Satan. Satan is trying to disrupt what God is doing. Satan is a true enemy. Satan sees every single victory that you have in your life. If a victory for you is every single day sitting down with the Word of God and and reading it, Satan sees that. If a victory for you is every single day praying to God and, and, and communing with Him, Satan sees you doing that. He's watching you. He's getting upset and, and his commitment is rising every single day that you have a victory. The more you trust God, the more Satan wants to destroy you. The closer you get to God, the more Satan wants to get into your life. Satan hates when you live for God. Satan hates it when you win for God. He hates it. He hates God. He wants to destroy anything that God loves and he'll stop at nothing to do that. Number two, I want you to see this underneath The enemy sees what you do. The enemy is fearful. The enemy is fearful. If you look at verse 3, 
The Bible says, and Moab was sore afraid. And Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, so listen, they, they now go from their, 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 uh, their country and they start talking to Midian. Hey, you guys come over and help us. We need your help. This is, this is serious. Watch this. Go over to the elders of Midian. Now shall this company lick up all that are round about us. As the ox licketh up the grass of the field, Balak the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites at that time. If you're going to write something else down, write this down. The enemy is fearful because it realizes your potential. The enemy realizes your potential. You see, when we were playing sports and we, we had a, a good team, we would play and we would do very well, but there were a few teams that we knew by watching them warm up and different things, whoa, these guys are pretty good. And we begin, to, you, that, there's that little sinking feeling when you think, I'm just not sure how this is going to come out. We realize the potential that they had. Balak, excuse me, your potential is more, is to be more than a conqueror. You realize that, right? Our potential is to be more than a conqueror. God said you can be more than a conqueror through him that loved us through Christ. And so we, we are more than a conqueror. Your, your potential is to conquer everything in your path. Your potential is to fulfill God's will in every aspect of your life. Not just in a few. Your potential is huge. And folks, that scares the enemy. Satan is worried when you start to do things like this. Balak and the Moabites are afraid of the Israelites for good reason. And they are afraid of what Israel might do to them. And they are afraid of losing everything that they have worked so hard to get. They're afraid of losing their homes and their wives and their children and, and their farmlands. And all of these things that they had worked so hard to get, they're, they're worried about it. But notice the wording again that's used here. Verse 4. Moab says unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are round about us. Watch this. As the ox licketh up the grass of the field. I used to work on a farm. Grass, or excuse me, cows eat grass all the time. Do you think it's difficult for a cow to eat grass? Not at all. In fact, the wording uses it licketh it up. Like it's just laying there. Like there's nothing to even fight against it. And a cow, is no, it's nothing to rip up a blade of grass for a cow. It's nothing. And so the wording uses, in Moab, Balak knows this. It is nothing for them. It is nothing for them to wipe us out. It is nothing as if they're not even trying because they have a power behind them. There's something about them that they will conquer. What a great position to be in as Israel, right? But remember, this is all going on behind the scenes. They don't really know that all this is going on. Maybe they're hyped up. Maybe they're excited about what God has done. And all of these things are going on behind the scenes. When you conquer with God, I believe this, it sends a shiver down the spine of Satan. Why? Because he knows that he can never defeat God. He's already tried. Satan knows that he can never defeat God. But he knows this. He knows that he can defeat a Christian that's not with God. He also knows the opposite is true. 
He can never defeat a Christian that's walking with God. Folks, that's so important. And it doesn't matter what's going on behind the scenes here. The fact of the matter is the enemy is fearful. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. This is exciting. I mean, no matter what he's trying to do behind the scenes, no matter what he's trying to get at, the enemy is fearful because he realizes your potential. Third thing under this is the enemy will try to destroy you. Just because he flees from you doesn't mean he's done scheming. Look at Numbers chapter 22, verse 5. The Bible says, He sent messengers, therefore, this is Balak, unto Balaam, the son of Beor, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there's a people come out of Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail that we may smite them and that I may drive them out of the land. For I wot that he whom thou blessest is blessed and he whom thou cursest is cursed. Again, just because Satan flees from you doesn't mean he's done. Doesn't mean he's going to try and attack again. The enemy will try everything it can to stop you. Satan will try everything he can to stop you. Stop you. Balak calls upon Balaam, a soothsayer, a, a wizard, so to speak, or someone who determines things through the powers that be. Balak wants to get, get this, a spiritual war going on. You look at the end of that verse. He whom thou blessest is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed. This is a spiritual war. So he, doesn't, he realizes that physically he's no match for them. So what does he do? He goes to the soothsayer and says, let's start a spiritual war. What I believe Balak didn't realize was who was on the other end. You see, the fact of the matter is the enemy will try to do anything to stop you. He wants Balaam to curse the children of Israel. He wants to have a spiritual advantage over the children of Israel. Look at verse 7. The Bible says, And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian, now they're joined together, departed, watch this, with the rewards of divination in their hand. And they came unto Balaam and spake unto him, the words of Balak. You see, they'll stop at nothing. Hey, take him a bunch of money. Take him everything we can sum up because, listen, none of it's going to matter after this. If we don't get this curse, then, then we're going to be nothing. So take money, the rewards of divination. Take him something. Give him something. Make, make him come and curse. We'll stop at nothing. We'll pay the money. We'll pay as much as it costs. Take those things. And we see a little bit later in the story that Balaam says, listen, if Balak were to give me half of his kingdom. And so they will stop at nothing to try to dissuade you. Satan will try everything he can do to distract you. Satan will use your spouse to distract you. Satan will work behind the scenes trying to do anything he can to rip you apart, to get your eyes off of Christ. 1 Peter 5.8, a very famous verse, the Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You see, he's just waiting for you. He sees you. He's watching you in your victories. Satan is going to wait, though, for that weak spot. 
He's going to wait till he can find you not looking and not paying attention and not seeking after Christ, and then he will pounce. Again, remember, this is all going on behind the scenes. Israel is oblivious to all of this. It's all going on, and guess what? Notice this. We have no control over it. Remember that. We have no control over what goes on behind the scenes because we have no idea what's going on. And so you say, Pastor Jones, this is discouraging. So, I mean, when we do well, I mean, Satan just ramps up his attack against us. Yes, that's true. When we conquer, Satan just starts prowling a little bit more and he maybe begins roaring and, and maybe starts taking out some of the weaker ones beside us and all of these different things. Yes, that's true. I don't like that. And now you're telling me I have no control over it? I really don't like that. I'm going to show you, not, not number one, the enemy's commitment. I want you to see number two, God's control. See, the fact of the matter is we can't control it. But God can. Look at this. Just when you hope, think all hope is lost, Balaam accepts the money, and he's going to curse Israel, and as Satan is going to get the victory, we see this all unfolding, and we think there's no hope. There's just no hope. It's not going to happen. I want you to look with me in verse 8. The Bible says, And he said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you the word again, as the Lord shall speak unto me, and the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. And God came unto Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? And Balaam said unto God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, hath sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them. Peradventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And watch this. God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. Look at verse 13. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuses to give me leave to go with you. Just when you think all hope is lost, just when you think it's not going to happen, just when you think, oh, he's going to take the money and go and curse and Satan's going to win, God appears. Almost as if it's the last hour of the uh, last minute of the last hour of the last day. Ugh, God shows up and stops this thing. Realize this. Though the enemy might be plotting against you, God is protecting you. Though the enemy might be plotting against you, God is protecting you. Here's another thing to think about. While Satan is prowling, God is positioning. While Satan is prowling, God is positioning. God is setting this all up for a reason. He's got a reason. If you go to 2 Kings with me. Turn over to 2 Kings with me. I love this story. 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. If you look with me in verse 13. I love this story. Such a great story. A little bit of a history behind this. The king of Syria is warring against Israel. Israel has set up the kingdom. They're in the promised land now. They're setting up. And Syria is warring against them. And he has a camp hidden to ambush the children of Israel. But Elisha, the prophet, hears about where this camp is from God. And he tells the king of Israel, hey, don't go that way. And they evade out of the way. Two times he does this. And so 
the, the king of Syria is wondering what in the world is going on. Why are we not kidnapping these people? Why are we not ambushing them? Somebody says, well, the prophet Elisha has heard from God and he's telling them. The king of Syria says, oh no, we're not going to have that. Where does he live? We're going to go attack him. Okay, we'll pick up the story in verse 13. The Bible says, and he said, go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him saying, behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent the sent he thither horses and chariots and a, watch this, a great host for one guy, for one guy and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. Enough guys to encompass an entire city. It's a fair, fair amount of men. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, I love this, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha, watched this, prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee. And the Lord opened the eyes. Oh, excuse me, I pray thee. Open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. You see, what's happening is, though there's, they're prowling, they're around, you know what God's doing? God's positioning. God knows exactly what's going on. And, and folks realize the servant of Elisha didn't know any of this was going on. It was all going on behind the scenes. But when he saw it, what a great time that was. I believe without a shadow of a doubt. That God allows things to happen behind the scenes that work out for our good. Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Do you think that the disciples had a full understanding of what Jesus was going through? Do you think that he had a, they had a full understanding of what Christ was doing when he died? The Bible tells us very clearly that they had no idea. But folks, get this, behind the scenes, what they could see, they could see right in front of them, they see Jesus dying on the cross, and they go, oh my goodness, we've just lost our master, we've just lost our Lord, what are we going to do? They huddle up in an upper room, and all they can see is just right smack dab in front of their faces, but what they don't realize is going on is God is saving an entire world behind the scenes. And Satan, I'm sure, rose up in victory. We just killed the Son of God. He's dead. And while Satan is prowling in victory, God is positioning because three days later, he rises from the dead. You see, sometimes we just don't understand what's going on, what's smack dab in front of us. But folks, behind the scenes, God is doing something. Do you think that the Jewish people in World War II had any idea what God was doing behind allowing Hitler to come to power. I don't know everything that God was doing, but I know this, that in 1948, Israel received their homeland again. They became a nation. God is doing something. Do you think we have any idea what God is doing behind the scenes of our life? The fact of the matter is if you say, yes, I know everything that's going on, well, I'm sorry, that, that's a very foolish statement. This is the fact of the matter. We can't see sometimes past the noses that are on our face. 
But God sees it all. God sees what's going on. God sees how it's going, and he's there fighting for you. I want you to think about this with me. Don't judge God by one lifetime. Don't judge God by one lifetime. Say, Pastor Jones, what in the world do you mean by that? Don't judge God by what you can see right in front of you right now. You see, we, we do that. My, my, my grandfather just passed away. Why, God, why? We're in a financial dis, distress. Why, God, why? My marriage is, is tight. Why, God, why, 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 why? God's trying to do something in your life. And it may not be specifically related to your life. It may not be specifically related to Balaam's life right here, and we'll learn from Balaam's life, but what's going on is behind the scenes. And it's to get Israel into a position Don't judge God by what you can see right in front of you at this very moment. He is working. He is in control. We don't realize what's going on behind the scenes. Do you think that Jeremiah was ever frustrated when not one of God's people would listen to him? Not one of God's people would listen to him. It's so easy to get frustrated in our society, isn't it? Especially as Christians. Oh, society is so bad. Oh, our public schools. Ugh. Oh, politicians. Oh, oh, the world. Trump. I mean, there's so many things we can talk about here. It's all bad. It's all terrible. And we look, what we're doing is we're looking at the noses in front of our face. We don't realize that God's got something amazing going on. Folks, I can't explain it. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you I know what's going on, but I know this. God is in control. It's so easy to look at our personal circumstances. So easy to get mad at God and wonder what's going on. Just cool it. Relax. God's in control. Though it might seem like Satan has the upper hand, God always has control. What does this have to do with conquering? What does this have to do with the children of Israel? You see, no matter what, continue to trust God. We've said, I've said that more times on a Sunday morning, but it's the key. Trust God. Even when you don't know what's going on, trust. Just trust Him. You cannot control any other circumstances in your life. I'll give you a very quick personal illustration. As a young man, I am still young, but when we were first married, I had this crazy notion that if I told my wife to do something, she would just do it. <laughs> Two things about that. I didn't know my wife very well. She can be, we, we're very stubborn. We're both very stubborn. <laughs> Number two, it was just, that was dumb. But nonetheless, you believe it, so you do it, right? And things began to, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't good. I remember sitting down with her dad one time. I said, how did you get her to do what she, you wanted her to do? As a little manipulative jerk is all I was. 
And he said, you don't. And I said, well, you're going to have to explain that. And he said, she's not a child. She's your wife. And as he began to talk, he began to say things like, you can't control her. You know who you can control? Yourself. Ugh. That stinks. Changed my life. Because no longer did I try to control what I could not control. And I'm, I'm not perfect. Please don't misunderstand me. I still try. <laughs> Thank you. I still try. And it doesn't work out well. But here's the fact. You know who can control my wife? And who can talk to her? God can. You know what? And you know, if God's not talking to her, then it's probably not something that I should be doing. If I say this is the way we need to go as a family and God doesn't speak to her in the same way, it's probably not something we should be doing. And so I began to fight with that and wrestle with that. And folks, listen, there are certain things you just can't control. Trust God. Trust God. No matter what goes on behind the scenes, God is in control. God is waiting for you to say, I can't. You can't. Let's pray.